All right, this is Gary Hartley by the chalkboard. Welcome today, my guest, and you're going to enjoy this. My guest coming from Switzerland is Andreas Reiser. Andreas, welcome. Welcome, Gary. And it's good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on and and uh, being willing to have a good conversation with me about life and about your experience of life. Yes. So you you uh you enjoy motorcycles you enjoy harley davidson's yes that's the third one i have i have a soft tail deluxe right now i started with the sportster that the, the 1200 uh cubic inch and then i had the 1600 white glide and now i, I drive for 1800 cubic inch soft tail deluxe so living in America, everything I know about Sweden has to do with mountains. <laughs> and it seems so beautiful there in the pictures I've seen. So I would imagine you're, you have some really spectacular places to ride your motorcycle. That's right. You can bet for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we have a lot of mountains, that's true, but half of the country is just like Alps, you know. And uh, we have a lot of lakes and uh, really it's very nice for traveling. And there are not so many people here. We have a small country, but we have only about 8 million people living here. So, so it's great, you know, we have all this, you know, this, this high route going over the Alps. Like uh, you, you go up to, to uh, 9,000 feet, you know. Just a passageway from one valley to the other one, you know. So it's fantastic, you know. Yeah, I bet you uh, you probably anticipate spring and summer coming, right? Because I imagine the snow keeps them from being passable for you, at least in the wintertime. That's right. Normally, these passageways are closed, and during the winter, of course, and they open up at uh, April, May, you know. Yeah, but on the thing is, on the weekend, usually you have so many people on the way in summertime, you know, with their own bikes, you know. So it's, it's, uh, I prefer to go during the week instead of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, when it's less crowded, I, I, I can yeah, see yeah. that. Yeah. There are also a lot of accidents happening, you know. But there are many people. Can you imagine they have like a, a boring job during the week and at the weekend they try to be the king, you know, on the two wheels, you know. For me, it's different. I have a good job. I, I don't need this extra thrill on the weekend. You know? Yeah. So speaking of jobs, you, you became an entrepreneur at some point in your life. That's right. I, I started to work on my own in the year of 2000. I was an employee and one of the biggest, greatest publishers in Switzerland. Uh, where I helped to build up the first internet portal for a, for a newspaper in Switzerland. And I did that with my best colleague at that time, but my colleague got dismissed because of, I don't know exactly, some ir irregularities. And we, we have gotten a new boss. And this new boss, he was kind of bullying me, you know, because 
I was still connected with my colleague, you know, which he threw out. So I really had a rough time there. And uh, I got, well, seriously sick, I must say. I had problems with my heart. So I only had one chance to quit the job, survive and quit the job. That's what, what I did. What happened after that? What, what, did, you, uh, what did you decide to do? Uh, then I, I went to my medical doctor first. <laughs> he looked at that. Uh, oh, it's nothing serious, you know, but you must have had a lot of stress. He even tried to give me some psychopharmaca, you know. So I took it twice or three times and said, okay, it doesn't help. And the situation bettered rapidly after I quit my job. And then I got in contact with a, fo a former company I worked with, 1997. And he asked me, would you like to take to work for me on a mandate basis? You understand mandate ba basis? Yeah, is that like a, a contract? On a yes, contract a contract but on my own, but he pays me. And that's where, he, uh, where I started, actually, my self-employment. Okay. And since then, I never returned back <laughs> to being employed. I couldn't imagine even being employed, you know, really. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people that there's a there's a lot of freedom in being self-employed if you're disciplined and and uh, enjoy your own life enough to uh, to be able to to do that. Yeah, and so, so it's so true. Yeah, and so you've you've done that ever since then. Yes, I have a little company for web design. I make websites for like small businesses and uh, also for the Swiss government. I used to work, you know, still work, have a little mandate for the, the economic uh, department of the Swiss government, doing some, uh, some things on the website. But uh, mainly I work with the uh, little companies around here, restaurants, even butchers, bakeries, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so that gives you time to focus on other things and explore ideas and start a podcast you've started a podcast recently tell us about that yeah yeah it's i mean something i had in mind for about honestly for about two years you know like uh, i always felt you know i have a message and i have to get it out somehow and uh, i would love to get it out but i didn't know how to to bring it out to the people and then uh, funny enough I got in contact with Brian Rose, which you know as well, right? Yes. In in March, he made he made the interview with the American guy called Tika Tiwari. He's a crypto entrepreneur, specialist in cryptocurrencies, and he was on the show there. And he talked about these altcoins. You can buy these altcoins, and you can make a fortune. You know, and the. Uh, I really started to get interest in, in the in the crypto scene and really digged myself into it. I read a lot of stuff. I even subscribed to newsletters in uh, Palm Beach, Florida, you know, how to deal with that. And then I heard from Brian that he is also offering this uh, education on how to make a podcast. And finally I joined, you know. 
I didn't regret so far. Even it's it's a tough business just to learn, you know. Yeah, for me, it's been there's been some really wonderful moments, and then some very heavy resistance with some things that that uh, I really had to push through and learn and spend hours and hours really um, unwrapping some things in order to understand how it worked. So yeah. I understand. Yeah. Same here. Same here. But actually, I love the principles from Brian, you know, like oh, take 100% ownership. I have it here on the board, you know, resistance, extreme ownership, adding value, fun game, focus on 1000 true fans, you know, I, I really like this kind of principles. They speak to my heart, you know, and that like uh, persuaded me even more that I'm on the right track, what I'm doing. Yeah, I agree. One of the best things that happened in that course for me is him talking about resistance and looking at it as an opportunity. And I've done that so many times that that's how I look at resistance now when it comes up from within me. Like, oh, this is an opportunity, not something negative. This is good. I'm going to, this is an opportunity to learn and to grow and to expand. Yeah. I fully agree on that. So have, have you visited or lived in the, the United States? Well, I have visited the United States for several times and to tell you the truth, I almost feel home there, you know. <laughs> I've been from the East Coast to the West Coast. I was up in the North in Montana. And uh, I made several journeys to the States, starting in 1996, when I was in uh, South Dakota. I, I was there uh, like uh, in, a, in a camp with the Lakota people. Oh, yeah. Near, near Rapid City. Mm-hmm. Spent there three weeks, was very amazing. And the year after, I came back and made the whole West, you know, with a girlfriend. And I've been at least five or six times since there. Even at the at East Coast up to Maine, you know, the Canadian border. So it's really, it's, it's a great country, but it's more than a country for us. It's like a continent, you know. Yeah, it's huge. And I live in Texas, which is the second biggest state. And it I, it takes a whole day just to drive across it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's pretty flat, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty flat. There's some hills, but there's uh, there's mountains in one area. Out west, there's some mountains that go up several thousand feet. But a lot of it, especially where I live, it's flat. <laughs> okay, a lot of cows, huh? Lots of cows. The, where I live is a farming and ranching uh, community. Um, wow. And there's a, a, a lot of uh, really down-to-earth people here. Most of the people here really enjoy freedom of speech and freedom and liberty and just kind of live that way naturally. And I, I enjoy that environment and being able to sit and talk to people. Farmers and ranchers are very laid-back people. You know, mm -hmm. they can't do anything fast. You have yeah. to go slow and diligent to get things done. And people who work that way and live that way tend to be, for the most part, real easy to get along with and very friendly. And so that's kind of the environment where I live in. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have never visited Texas, unfortunately, but I know they're famous 
for the beef and the steaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is unusual in a way that everyone in the world, I, I think, has at least heard of Texas. Um, I went to Africa once on a mission trip almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago, and most of the people there had at least heard of Texas when we talked to them. Oh, right. They didn't know about most of the other states, or some of the people didn't, but everyone at least heard of Texas. It has this uh, nostalgia about it, and it's been in lots of Western movies, and that's probably one of the reasons, you know, with gunfights and cowboys and everything. So, It's even the... The borders, if you look at on the map, Texas looks like a T-bone state, right? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much does. That's what Texas is about, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's it's great. I, I love the United States, I must say. I love the people, the diversity of the people, so many different cultures and opinions. I really love that. So what what's it like over there right now during... Uh all this COVID stuff and lockdowns, what's it like for you? Uh, pretty frightening. <laughs> no, I mean, we have like a light lockdown at the moment in Switzerland. Uh, shops are open, restaurants are open, but you have to have this social distancing and you should wear a mask in, in a shop, you know. And uh, the government says all oh, infection rates rates are rising, you know. Every day in the newspapers, people are being frightened, you know, a lot of fear around. So, but yeah, the economy is suffering. But that's the point, you know. So many small companies, they have to close or they will close, you know. Even my, a lot of customers, you know, which I have to say, oh, we wait for a new website. We have to wait because we have to see what's the future first, you know, mm. stuff like that. Actually, the fear that is around, that is for me the big, not for me personal, but is the biggest problem. And I'm a, a guy, you know, I don't agree with, for me, it's a scenario what is being played worldwide. It's not, it's not just... The, the virus, you know, it's other things behind, like uh, Great Reset, you know, cult, you know, you, this guy Schwab from the World Economic Forum, you might have heard from him, Klaus Schwab, he even lives in Switzerland, you know. He says, oh, we are no, never going back to, to normal, you know. The future will be totally different. But yeah, that's the point, you know. Life used to be fun, but right now, since half a year, like this Corona stuff is always on the side way, you know, <laughs> it goes with you wherever you go. When you drive with your motorcycle, you always somehow think about it a bit, you know. So this, this whole thing I used to have in the past in summertime, every summer it's coming, you know the times the living is easy you know this is somehow a little bit gone are you free to travel and go to the store yes we okay. are are our yeah. restaurants open there yes they're open but they have uh, restrictions like four people on one table you know they have the silly uh 
glass uh, walls between tables sometimes, you know, like plexiglass, we call it. And you have to, you have to, to leave your, your address, you know, in case somebody would be infected, they would call you up. So you have to go to quarantine for, for 14 days, you know. You know? <laughs> so I never, I fill out these papers, but one time my name is Bill Gates, the other day is Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, I never fill out my, my real name because can you imagine I go somewhere and have a meal and they found out one week later, one guy was infected. They call me up. I have to stay home for two weeks because of that. It's crazy. Right. You, you don't quarantine healthy people. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where that came from. Well, it, it came from, like you said, I think this is more about control and this is a narrative um, rather than trying to, um, you know, protect us from something. That's right. And it never happened in history that, that mankind succeeded to, to stop the spreading of a virus. If you want to stop the spreading, everybody has to wear special suits, you know. It's not just a mask. Do you want to live with the, with the suit the whole day, you know, special protection suit, you know? Yeah, the, the whole mask thing here in Texas, it's not too bad. I have, uh, the only place I wear one is in a cigar shop because I, out of respect for the owner. And that's, that's the only reason I literally have not worn one anywhere else unless I absolutely had to. And I've been yelled at a couple of times. Um, and haven't had any really good discussions with people who yelled at me because I would rather just talk to them and be kind. I, I never act aggressively or in anger back to them. Um, but I feel like a lot of it is just misinformation. And like you said, a lot of people are just in fear because they're following the mainstream media. They're following what the television has been telling them about this. And it, it's uh, scary to them. Yeah, that's right. I even have enough tests from a doctor that I, I don't have to wear a mask because it's not that I would have an health, health issue, but as, as you said, I don't agree with the principle, right? So I have this attest. When I go to the shop, they where is your mask? I say, okay, I have an attest. And they usually, they apologize, you know? But still, you kind of put yourself in exposition with the only guy who doesn't wear a mask, you know? You see, that's kind of social. How do you say that? You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, ha you have to know how to deal with that. Right. Yeah, that takes some, uh, that takes some learning in, um, at least for me, I have to really work to be, to be kind to people who think differently or not, I guess not kind, but to not react toward anything that they say if they're angry or frustrated at me, because just seeing someone not wearing a mask and that generating fear, that's not a, that's not a healthy way to live. Mm -hmm. It's also this principle from Brian, you know, extreme ownership. I was already able to apply that concerning the mask issue. When I, when they see like people, they ask me, where is your mask? You know, I tried to really, uh, try to understand them that they are in fear, you know, I could infect them or whatever, you know, so 
So amazingly, even there it helped, you know, people get very friendly and, oh, you have another test. I'm so sorry, I had to ask you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was very funny, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not an idle scene, right? Right. You talked about, uh, or in, in the email that you sent me, about validating basic rights of other people. And I, I think uh, it seems to me that the greatest way to practice that is when someone is disagreeing with you somehow, like over this mask thing. How difficult it is it when someone is coming against you with that to still maintain that that uh, presence of mind in you to recognize that you know no matter what i'm still going to value this person as a human being it's very difficult sometimes <laughs> well, I, I don't always succeed but sometimes but you know like uh i give you an example huh okay when i drive with my car I have a small Mercedes-Benz, a little car. When I drive on the highway, 90% of the people, they have bigger cars, more horsepower, you know, bigger, more expensive. And very seldom, most of them, they try to, to be faster than me, okay? Because their 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 uh, car is bigger. So actually, you could make a race out of that. No, I want to be first, you know? And I say, okay, you, your, your car is bigger. I, I, I don't even go in this kind of game, you know. But these games are going on. And actually, Corona start off opened my, my, uh, my eyes with all, all these little games that are going on. I'm better than you. I'm faster than you. I'm more rich than you. My status is better. My girlfriend is nicer, you know. This, you know, the... This is what I mean, you know. Usually I don't engage in this kind of games, but I don't succeed all the time. Yeah, I know that uh, when times are easy and things are going smooth, it's kind of a, a rest period. But then when there's struggle and conflict, that's when all the things that you've learned, now you have to put them in the practice. <laughs> Now you have to do them like, oh, I have to be calm here because I feel this tension rising in me with this person who's upset for some reason. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's when we go back to the mask thing, you know, like uh, in the beginning, sometimes I saw people walking with the mask in the street, you know, fresh air. Uh, I drove with my car, I said, you know, you're wearing mask. Are you 100% in your head? You know, <laughs> this kind of case, you know. So, but this, this, uh, this, uh, you get the reaction of, of, uh, he, he gets mean on you because you're not wearing a mask, you know. Hey, why doesn't he wear a mask? So, but, so that's, it's a kind of, I don't know how to say that, but this mask thing is a kind of, it's almost like a, religious act you know that you can sort of no stay calm you know it's just the circumstances it's a good person you know even 
he might not uh, think good about you or so. It, it's almost like the ritual act is difficult to explain, but it forces you to stay calm. Otherwise you get in, into a lot of problems. Yes, and, and one of the things that, that I think you and I are both similar in is we're, we're here to help people in this world. And right now, with all this going on, there's a lot more difficulties people are facing in their life. There's a lot more depression. Suicide rates are up. There's a lot more people that have less contact with uh, friends. And so I find it important, and I think you find it important, too, to do everything we can, even if it's online, to encourage people, to strengthen our own heart, to have a love for life and try to expand that within ourselves and other people, especially when times are really difficult like this. Yeah, I can fully agree. Like the worst, so worse a situation is being played out with the corona. So much good is being uh, revealed inside of the people, you know, that comes in, in forefront, which was not necessarily seen before, you know. That's that's a good that's a good thing, you know, of Corona. If you if you ask me, you know, people start to think about the life. They try to open up. Not everybody, but somebody who stands above the fear, you know, they make their minds up. What is it all about this life? Is it just a virus or is it more? You know, even for me, you know, in March when the stock market crashed, I have to tell you, all my fortune was invested in one company in the states. This this company is. It's uh, known as the company Apple Computer. Huh? All my money was there. So the stock market crashed 30% from one day to the other. I said, Jesus Christ, what I'm going to do now? Then I said, okay, if, if the measures come up again, and if they are a little bit higher than before, I will sell all my stocks, which I did. And then I started my financial education on, on cryptos. I bought gold, I bought silver, I bought mining stocks, you know. All, I really had to make, make an education during this coronavirus crisis for my personal wealth. And I think I'm better off today than I was in, in March, just financially, you know. Yeah, that's good. I have I have dabbled a little bit in the cryptocurrency. I have a piece of a Bitcoin, <laughs> but I have done some research, and I, I have I have friends that uh, that are deeply into it, and um, I I really like the concept of it. Yeah, me too. Bitcoin is is really fantastic concept behind. I I can't say I understand it fully, but. Uh, that what I know it's really, it's, and you know, it cannot be inflated. It's it, 20 man, 21 million Bitcoins. There won't be any more ever. Right. And how many of those that were mined really early are gone forever? Yeah, they, they guess about, yeah, that's right. They guess about five, five and a half million. I have a friend of mine here in town that he's always dabbled with computer stuff and been really good at it. And when Bitcoin was first being mined in, I don't know if it was 2010 or 11, something like that, he was playing around with it, had a bunch of it on a computer. To him, it was just a game. He ended up throwing it away. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, he had what, huh? he had a few thousand Bitcoin on there, I think, and just from wow. sitting there playing with it and didn't ever think it was gonna do anything, and he literally his computer he he tossed it along with his uh you know his his uh, recovery passwords. I guess he didn't. I guess he had them on the computer too, and didn't think it was worth writing down anywhere else. There were even people that that have thrown away their computers with with bitcoins on it, and later on they tried to find their own computers again somewhere, you know, in a in a place where they recycle materials, you know, <laughs> and the hope they could find them again. Yeah. But can I, you imagine the you know the price of the bitcoin today? You know it. Yeah, it's over fifteen thousand U.S. dollars right now. Uh, even over 16 now 16 i haven't 16 looked at like something yeah it's, it's, it's incredible yeah. yeah that's that is really amazing i i don't think six years ago anybody would have expected it to do that you know maybe higher but yeah a lot of people have gotten very rich off of it and i've done some transactions with people with bitcoin and it's been really enjoyable to do that because i have a little bit on my phone and so i've donated to some websites that i appreciate just send them a little Bitcoin. It's really quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also had to dig into that. You know, it took me quite uh, some learning how to do all these uh, transactions and so because I have different coins too. But what I want to say is, it also has a lot to do with the purchase purchasing power of the of the fiat currency, like the U.S. dollar. I remember when I first was in the States, nineteen hundred and ninety six. Uh, there was one dollar was about three Swiss francs, huh? and now one dollar is ninety cents, ninety Swiss cents. You know, so the purchasing power uh, it's only one, one one third is left. You know, within uh, twenty years, you know, it's incredible. I think one of the biggest challenges with cryptocurrency is. For people to understand a little bit about how it works, you have to know some things about computers and, you know, keeping your passcode, your your recovery words and all that. And to a lot of people I talk to, that seems really overwhelming to them. Yeah. I think that's the main barrier for that it hasn't been spread wider yet, like the usage of Bitcoin, because... The, the technical uh, hurts are too high for many people. But this will change pretty soon, I guess, within the next one or two years. Adoption will be uh, wider by banks. Even PayPal started now, you know, some weeks ago, adoption of Bitcoin. So this will really help, you know. Yeah, I saw that on PayPal because I... I... I don't do much on it, but I did log in today to look at something. And I noticed that too. I went, oh, PayPal is starting to, I remember reading that in the news that PayPal is starting to use cryptocurrency. So that alone is a big deal. That's a very big deal. Yeah. yeah. yeah that will help much. And it also will help like uh, to get the big money into the space of crypto, you know. Yeah, it's just it's just growing. The news doesn't seem to talk about it a whole lot, the mainstream news, but every time yeah. I read my stuff, it's just growing and growing and growing. More people are adopting it. 
But I tell you, when they when they talk daily about Bitcoin in the media news, it's time for you to sell them. <laughs> yeah. If you if your hairdresser is talking about Bitcoin, you know, then it's time to sell it. <laughs> Some good financial advice there. <laughs> Andres, you said uh, that there was a key moment in your life that happened when you were twenty years old. What happened when you were 20 years old? Yeah. Uh, well, what happened? You know, I have to, to go a little bit back further. When I was in school, you know, like uh, all my friends wanted, okay, I want to become a pilot. You know, the next one said, I want to know how to drive uh, cars or trains or stuff like that. So they all had this vision, what they want to become, you know, what profession. And unfortunately, I never knew what I should do in my life. But I always knew something is waiting for me in this world. But I couldn't figure it out what it was. So and when I was 20, I was invited uh, by a friend for a lecture. And uh, this lecture was about Scientology. And this guy who made this lecture talked about what we call the ARC triangle. I would explain that later what it is. And then it made like, <laughs> to me, <laughs> literally like a, a bulb switched on in my head and said, okay, this is what I was waiting for. And I was 20 years old. I can't express it any other way, but that, that's what happened. And since then, I'm a practitioner in Scientology, but I'm not like engaged with the church or with the, with the normal organization. I was there a member four years and uh, I didn't like, like some things that happened there, you know. But I still believe in the philosophy and in the principles which I practice since almost 40 years. And for me, it's a very good thing. But it's that was hap uh, waiting for me in, in this world. Yeah. So that was a key moment for me when I got to know this ARC triangle. Would you like to know what it is? Yeah, what is that? Okay. This ARC triangle is actually something that defines human relationship. It's a... Well, that comes from this philosopher, Elron Hubbard, who, who, who invented that or who researched it. And he says, human relationship consists of three comp components. A, for affinity. Affinity defines like the, the distance between things, between people, between objects. That, that's the A. And then we have the R for reality. We have to have a subjects we can talk about now we talk about podcasts for instance so we have a similar rea reality that makes uh, us feeling close and the third one and the most important one is c for communication so if we communicate a lot about the same reality and we love each other then we have good understanding if we don't talk with each other understanding goes goes low uh, the, to the extent that we don't even have affinity anymore. 
But if you want to raise affinity with someone, it's hard to say, oh, I want to love you more. But it's, it's much better with means, communicate with this person and you will see affinity grows and common reality grows. That, that's what we call the ARC triangle. It's very easy. <laughs> you know, I, I recognize uh, in my life, something you just said made me uh, uh, recognize this, that there were times that I would see someone and judge them by their appearance, not knowing anything about them. And then when I started communicating with them, my whole idea of who they were completely changed because that yeah. communication brought us together and this person suddenly became very alive to me. Oh, this person is much more interesting than I thought, you know, especially here in West Texas where you see a lot of old cowboys wearing cowboy boots and, you know, old stained jeans and an old shirt and <clears throat> they haven't shaved in a week, you know, <laughs> and sometimes you have no idea who that person is, but if you start communicating with them, some of the most wonderful stories in life come out, you know, of just beautiful things of the heart come out from them. And so that's what that reminded me of when you said communication. Yeah. Very, very, very true. What you say. I, I mean, one of my principles, even though I can't really apply it every time, but when in doubt communicate, you know, that's, yeah. If we all could do that, you know, I wouldn't be much problems in this world, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's the difference between uh, either hiding or forcing your beliefs on someone. Instead, to uh, have open communication and share ideas. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it also helps in podcasting, does it? Like, yeah. I mean, uh, what did Brian say recently? You have to be a good listener. 9% is the guest, 10% is you as a listener, right? Talking to you, uh, you talk for 10%, 9% is the guest. And yeah, that has a lot to do with communication, you know? Most people, what I think is they want to express themselves, you know? They are important, you know? They want to bring their message out, you know? And nobody wants to listen, you know. <laughs> so we, what we do now with with the is actually the opposite. And I kind of find that very rewarding too, you know. And one of the things that is very rewarding to me in these podcasts is, I'm speaking to people around the world. And that is so fabulous to me because I haven't had much communication with people all over the world until the last several weeks of this podcast course that you and I are taking. And I love talking to people from different cities, different countries, different cultures, and having them talk about their expression of life. So I love having you on here just for that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's the same for me, even, uh, my radios is not that wide yet because, uh, you know, actually for me, it's a kind of a struggle to make this podcast in English. Like all the, my friends, they, they talk German and they have to persuade them. No, we have to do it in English, you know? <laughs> so, 
So normally my podcast would be in German most of the times. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? Uh, well, three, three. Uh, German, bit English, and and French. Okay. So growing up in Europe, you do most people kind of have a primary language, but learn other languages because of the closeness of the other countries there. Yeah, and even within within our country, we have three main languages. That's German, French, and Italian. Yeah, like uh, our border is to Italy, but a part of Switzerland talks Italian. Our border is to France. A part of them, about 30%, they talk French in Switzerland and the rest German. So we are really kind of at the crossroads, you know, <laughs> of all these big countries. And our bloody government is doing what the neighbors are doing now. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. America has uh, some different languages and places. You know, in Texas, there's the primary other language is Spanish because Mexico is just to our south. Yeah. So a lot of Mexican, uh, Spanish, Mexican speaking people here. And lots of good Mexican food, too. Yeah. I can understand. I love it. Spicy. <laughs> Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about in, uh, in our communication, you said life is really a game. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, if you look at the game, like a football game, it has, uh, you have, you know, football in, in Switzerland is not the same like football in the United States. Huh? Foot, our football is your soccer, huh? Yes. Okay. So, if you have if you look at the game like soccer you have your you have your freedoms like you can take your ball and you shoot the goal you know you have your boundaries your barriers there is a playing field you know it's smart you are not allowed to to play outside and you have your intentions i want to make a goal i want to prevent to get prevent to become get a goal from the opponents you see? So you have an intention, you have your freedoms, and you have your barriers. And these three things actually apply to life too. We have our law, you are not allowed to kill someone, right? But if you have paid your taxes, you, you can feel free. You used to travel, you could travel around whenever you want. You can buy things, it's a freedom, and you want to have joy. You, you want to meet friends, you want to, you want to have fun, you know? So if you can look at life like a game, it would be much easier than, rather than, oh, life is a struggle, you know? I mean, there are people that say, oh, if there were no barriers in life, I would be the happiest person on earth. Ask them after a few weeks. It's, oh, it's so boring, you know. Can you give me some barriers? The same. Oh, if, if I had all the freedoms, you know, I would be very happy. So for me, it's the same. It's like this, this three components that make it up. And they have to be in the correct relation. 
that it will work. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, that's a good description of life being a game. And when you begin to enjoy it, it, uh, it begins to look different, doesn't it? It does. But even if you enjoy it, you always have to be, you have to know uh, there are some barriers there. You can't do everything. You're not allowed to do everything. You know? And if you can keep that in mind, you can have an easy, good life, you know? If you forget that, you will end up in jail or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually, life should be fun for everybody. That's right. That's, that, that's the juicy things out of life. It's not money, it's not wealth. It should be fun, you know? A good time with spending a good time with friends, you know? That, that would be life for me, definition, yeah. Yeah. So you have you also have a a, a love in, for for nature. Yes, I do so. I'm almost daily in the forest. I have to say, I also live on the countryside, and to my next forest, it's about five minutes walk. And uh, sometimes when I don't feel good, when I have too much resistance on my podcasting. I just take a walk in the forest, you know. And uh, even sometimes, you know, as it's hard for me to to explain. But if I don't feel good, I can go to the forest. I can lean on the tree, okay, with my back, you know. Five minutes, and I feel the energy, you know, of of the tree. And if we would be aware what is happening in the forest, we as human beings, we would be so amazed. For instance, I heard a lecture from an Austrian guy. He's a biologist. And he said, you know, like when you enter forest, the forests, they communicate with each other who is coming in, you know. They, they do it by Potenstoffe. Uh, I don't know how to word. They send these little particles through the air and they communicate with each other, these trees. They say, okay, it's not dangerous, you know, don't have to worry. And they communicate inside the forest, the trees, you know. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, what is going on, which is not this close to our eyes yet, but pretty amazing. And of course, I love animals, you know. I'm a big fan of cats. I had several cats in my life. Uh, right now, I don't have one. But yeah, I just love them, you know. I even, I even once succeeded uh, with a, a dog of a friend to persuade the dog to eat a grape, you know, grape. And uh, normally a dog doesn't eat grape, does he? Okay. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I said to my friend, okay, I will show, I will make sure this dog, your dog is now eating a grape of me. You know how I did it? Okay, I put the, I, I put the grape there. The dog looked at it. I took it away. 
I had it. I put it there again. After five or six times, the dog couldn't have it that I took it away from him. So he just got it, you know, even though he doesn't like to eat it, but he just took it. He couldn't have it that somebody takes something away from him. <laughs> Human beings react that way to things, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that's really interesting. He finally yeah. got fed up, thought, all right, that's enough. I'm, I'm eating this grape. I don't care what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can see doing that in, in my own life in ways that like, I don't care what this is doing to me. I'm just going to do it anyway, because I got to have it. That's right. I also use this principle of like when I had cats, sometimes a cat is sick, you know, and they are very ap apathetic, you know, they don't move around, you know, and there's a way to to bring them back to life, you know, try to to tease them so they are going to bite you, you know, you tease them. And sometimes you succeed, they really want to bite your finger. But this means they're emotionally, they're already rosen up a bit, you know, out of apathy. So they're actually already a little bit more sane when they are getting a little bit aggressive, you know. So sometimes I did that too with my cats, you know, to get them to get them well faster, you know. This kind of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see human beings doing that in ways. You know, I think uh, sometimes um, sports athletes have to have that done to them when they start getting a little, you know, uh, they're not putting as much effort in. And sometimes uh, the coach may have to prod them a little bit with something that, that's not encouraging, but, you know, gets them riled up inside in order to get them up to back to that level of, uh, you know, working and performing. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I remember boxer, you know, in the ring, sometimes they're being clapped, you know, by the, by the coach, you know, hey, man, going now. <laughs> well, and sometimes life does that to you, doesn't it? That yeah. you, you go through an experience and you think things are going fine or maybe the opposite of that. You think things are going horribly and then something just slaps you. And sometimes it, it, uh, that's exactly what I've needed in my life is to like hit, get that slap and go, Oh, now I'm paying more attention to life. I needed that. I didn't like it at the time, but now I'm, I'm paying a little more attention to what I need to be looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I just can acknowledge that happened to me many times. Always uncomfortable in the situation, but looking back, I'm thankful for every single moment of that in my life. Yeah, I agree. And I'm thankful for every friend that ever, uh, you know, did that with me, pointed something out that I needed to see. Might have heard at the time, but ooh, I'm so glad that I had a friend like that. Well, Andreas, what uh, what can you leave us with today with that's, uh, that's of great value in your life? What's of great value in your life that you could tell our listener that would uh, oh, just encourage them to keep moving forward? Well, that's a difficult question. But I would say, you know, like 
today many people think maybe uh, oh the future will be bad or will be worse you know and what are we going to do do the plan a second lockdown here you know and i read uh, i read uh, a phrase from, from someone i don't know with it he said you know in order to have a future you have to put the future there then you will have one. If you don't put one there, you won't. So that's what I could say to my listeners, to your listeners. Put the future there. Put that future there, which one you want, and it will be there. Yeah, put your intent on something, and if you don't put it on anything, there's definitely not going to be anything there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, Andreas, I have enjoyed this conversation and I'm really thankful that you had the time to come on here and uh, have a good conversation with me and, and share your life experiences. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me too. All right. Well, you have a blessed day and uh, continue on with your podcasting, and which is called Say It As It Is. I want to make sure I refer to that on here that what your podcast is called. So, yeah. so listeners will know, and I will put a link to your, to your podcast when I, when I post this. So any of the listeners who want to listen to your podcast, they can find it immediately. Thank you very much. All right, Andres, well, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.